Historically, a show where we decolonize history and debunk myths and misinformation taught to you in school and on corporate media. Today, we have Miguel Ardona Sanchez from the University of Granada in Spain, and he will talk to us about the political history of money and how it evolved from being pieces of metal to now electronic signals of ones and zeros, and what it means to have money and what money itself is, which is a political tool. So when I met you at the Modern MMT conference about two weeks ago, you were talking about what is money. You said money is a creature of the state. So what does that mean? Well, you know, we have two different um, theories about what means money. We have one that's um, what we can call uh, metallism, that uh, money is a representation on a value of a, of a metal, usually gold or silver. But you have another school, another theory, that thinks that the money is a creation of the state. It's a debt that the state is, um, is created in order to create an order in a society. So in reality, if we follow in this kind of a theory, the metal doesn't represent the value of money, but it's only a debt that the state imposed to the different citizens in order to create a, a certain kind of relationship between the state and citizens and between the citizens themselves. Okay, so a lot of people, I guess, believe money has no moral judgment to it. But you said it was money is a governance strategy. Can you explain what is the moral judgment involved in the state and money? Yes, of course. In my opinion, money is non neutral. We can represent money as some, um, something that's um, you want a vehicle or there's um, um, any kind of issue that allow us to have a relationship. In reality, money is a strategy to the power to conserve and to create a certain kind of power. Why is that possible? Well, with different strategies. For example, when we use any kind of, uh, we uh, invent any kind of material in order to create a money, as for example, gold, we are going the power to create money to a certain part of the society, a certain, a certain segment of society, a certain social class. Why? Imagine that you are in the Middle Age and gold coins are created by gold. Who have the mines of gold? Kings, so who have the power to create money? The people who control these kind of minds. So, in reality, material is involved in the kind of strategy that the state represents. But in fact, it's not the value of the material what is important, but the kind of uh, or the segment of the social class of the or in a society that could use this. Um, money of power that money represents, the value of money, in order to create a system, a social system. So what you're saying is that the way money is created itself actually helps create a social system, like with rich people, peasants, poor people, and merchant class, like so the different classes comes from that, right? Exactly. 
let me tell you an, an, a small story. Mm-hmm. You know, when the Soviet Revolution took place in Russia, the Soviets created a society of friends of, of watch. Why? Because in a society that tried to develop uh, industries, etc., it's necessary to use watch. In a rural society, in a society without factories, the weather is what is important every day. You go to work when it's not raining, or when it's sunny, or whatever. But in a society with factory, it's necessary to, to use the, the watch. Money represents this kind of object that can transform, transform a society. Just depends the kind of money that we use and it, that is uh, something very interesting because when you see the evolution of money in history, you can see the evolution of the power in the different societies during this um, the, the, the history, the history events. As I told you before, if you create money with gold, the monopoly of creation of money will be in the hands of the people who have the gold mines. And for example, what we now we are speaking about money as a just representation in a bank account by uh, a software. Who have the right to create this kind of money? Bankers. So what is important is not what we call the value in, in an in a economic certain way of money, but what kind of power represents that, this value, in the hands that society uh, gives that power. So for me, what really like brought that to light was after they created the euro and Greece had a debt crisis and it seems like the European powers decided that it was more important for Greece to keep up the capital markets than actually pay pensions for old people or something like that. Like, that was so clear to me. Like, is that like an example of how money is used for power? Yes, that's right. Why the euro has been built with this kind of conception? You know, it's a long story. In reality, after the Second World War, USA became the hegemon, international hegemon. They have the power, the dollar that became the world currency. And uh, the strategy of the USA was uh, dollarized Europe because Europe needed, in that time, need dollars in order to reconstruct, to do the construction again of the, of the economy. But with the end of the gold standard, during the, the Nixon shock, Europe have a nostalgia of this kind of uh, times, you know, the gold standard. So at the beginning, the European Union, the, what we call in that time the European communities, created what we call the European snake, that is more or less a rate, a compromise of rate between the different currencies in Europe. The idea is that the big, the big business can have the security of, don't have different uh, important rates, you want exchange between currencies, to keep business as usual, without any kind of risk. Finally, the euro is a creature of this kind of mentality. Try to make a reconstruction of the gold standard, 
And finally, it's a dream of have a currency that don't have any have to do, don't have any tie with gold, but that the European Central Bank, uh, the real system, will running as um, we are gold between our hands. You know, that was the effect that produced in Greece. Because the idea of the European Union is that um, we have to limit the quantity of uh, money that we can produce. In fact, that's not true, but uh, that is the idea of the control of the deficit uh, in the hands of the states. Greece was a victim on this kind of strategy, and a strategy that gives the power of money, the, the power that money represents, in the hands of a small elite of establishments that of the big business in Europe. What is important is to understand that these people are obsessed with the idea that, that they are so rich that the American are or the English are. But in fact, they are destroying the European economy because they are creating a kind of dystopia that's, uh, that doesn't work uh, economy. But in fact, it's, uh, it's as you told me, a perfect example of how money give, mo give power to certain social classes, if you want the establishment, and, and put out other kind of interests. You know, you, we see that the, the same people that was, were agreed with the, with the enter of the Greece in the European Union, later, wa later was in the, in the European Central Bank or in the European institutions, criticizing the effects of a decision where they were involved. For me, what it seems really unfair about the European Union is that it seems like Germany, Netherlands, Belgium, like they seem to have more power than, say, Spain, Italy, and Greece. And so I hear Italy is now going through a crisis with debt. Can you explain to people what's going on there? Yes, it's quite simple. You know, people think that the euro is currency, but it's not true. We have different euros, so we have different currencies. Why? It's important to understand that uh, the majority of money are not in the, in the wallets of the people. The majority of money that is in the market, the European market or, or any other market, are not notes of the of an Europe, of central bank. They are bank accounts. So what is important to understand is in a system of the European, European Central Bank or European system have with the euro, we don't have the support of a, of a real European Central Bank. You know, when you see a note of a, of a euro, you can, see the, uh, you can see ECB. But in fact, when you go to a bank, for example, in Spain, is the Bank of Spain who have to defend this bank if you have any problem, any crisis. So the situation is that you have apparently the same kind of currency, a euro in Spain of a euro in Germany. And it's true that you can go with, a, uh, I, I, as an Spaniard, I can visit Germany and pay with my euro as um, I, I have a euro in Germany. But in fact, in the financial market, don't have the same kind of value. Why? Because if I have my money in a Spanish bank account, the risk of problems with my bank, imagine a financial crisis, 
is bigger than if I have my money in a German bank. So imagine this, this rapion, this disappear. The same kind of notes, but when you go to a bank account, don't have the same kind of support. If you are in Italy, you have the support of the last resort of the Italy uh, Central Bank. If you are in Germany, the support, if you want the last resort of the Germany Central Bank. So what is the difference? It's quite big because in the international market, the financial international markets, doesn't have the same power. Germany, the same uh, if you want uh, security, you want safety. Germany than Italy or Spain. So what was the effect? The effect is quite simple. I have the impression that the citizenship in, uh, in Spain or in Italy have the impression that have a currency in common, basically it's agreeing to become the same kind of, if you want the consume power of a German, of a, of a German or another very developed country in Europe. But in fact, capital are losing our countries, the Mediterranean countries, what were, I think it was the Economist, the, the magazine who called us the pigs, you know, the pigs country of the euro. In order to go to the security of Germany banks, Wait, Miguel, pigs is Portugal. What is the I again? Uh, Ireland, Portugal, Greece, and uh, Spain. Basically, you know what we call the periphery of the Eurozone. Mm -hmm. What we can call to the deficit uh, countries in opposition of the surplus countries. So imagine this kind of direction. You have money in your bank, but the capital have a, afraid of having problems in the deficit countries. And basically, the capital go directly to Germany. That represents that Germany have an excess. Uh, you want a, a, a big number of a, a, a big capital. You have surpluses for everywhere, and we have problem of scarcity in the Mediterranean countries. The scarcity of capital that represented the power for a economic class, and that represents a disruption of the system. But in, in a more philosophical terms. What represents that is quite simple. Money is never neutral and have different effects. Money is not neutral because the banking policies and though is like created by humans and they choose what's important. So I guess for me, I noticed in Greece, the bankers chose that it was more important for capital to get paid than senior citizens having their pensions. And so, yeah, that's a value judgment. So why do people not understand that money is political? Very interesting, your, your question. Let me, let me say before one question. Money creates a social relationship. It's quite simple what you think in your current day. You have a, you have a, a certain relationship with money, and that represents that you have to have a bank account, you have to have a job, you have to have a mortgage. But sometimes it's more different, it's more difficult to see the kind of relationship that you have between countries and societies. It's more difficult, but it's the same kind of relationship. In the case of Euro, the relationship between Germany and Spain have changed absolutely after the creation of Euro. An industry is going to Germany and Spain is becoming more and more just a service country. You want a holiday country for, German, for Germans. So the effect of money is never neutral. And you told me why it's so difficult to understand these kind of things. For two reasons. 
First of all, because we don't have any education about money at the school. It's quite interesting to see that you can to speak with economists, with degrees in economies, in economy of important universities, that they explain to you that they never really study money. What is money? Secondly, because the power of symbol is so important in money. It's so important. When you see a note of a bank, of a central bank, you see how the notes represent the symbols of the narrative of, the, of this state. With the most important figures of, the, of a country, for example, in the United States of America, in a dollar, you have the fathers of the country, or you have the symbols of, of the state, which you want the most important buildings of an state. Or for example, when you go to a bank, you see the kind of architecture, that, uh, the design, the graphic design even of a bank creating your mind. You know, the idea of the stability, the idea of the security. But in fact, people believe that uh, when they go to a bank for a loan, the money is there. But in reality, nothing is there. It's just um, software. And during the Middle Age, it was just a book of that, you know? But the kind of symbol is so, so powerful that the people don't understand how money works. I think most of the time that is a natural medium of a change that uh, don't represent any privilege for any social class. And it's just the opposite. When you see historically how money has changed, you can see how transform the relationship of societies, creating, for example, capitalism, how well during the slavery times, capitalism, and now with the creation of new kind of uh, medium of exchange with the beginning of a new society in internet with new players, you know? And that makes a lot of sense. So now people are talking about electronic money, like bitcoins and things like that. I mean, now you, I know Bitcoin's not really used as money. It's kind of, uh, but what are they thinking about it? And how do we make the system of money more democratic? It's very interesting. I don't think that, uh, for example, the Libra that's now of Facebook or Bitcoin is really money. Why? I'm going to try to answer this question. Because basically, money is a creation of the state. And the state represents of a, of a society. When you define any society in the background of a money, money can disappear in any moment. So that is not really money, because money represents a debt that you can keep during the time. You know, you have debt, uh, for example, during a civil war. But at the end of the civil war, anyone will pay the debt, you know? Basically, the state will remain always in a society, any kind of a state, you know? And I don't speak about a modern state. I speak about a, a, a simple idea of an state. For example, was the city of Athens or Rome or the Spanish Empire or the British Empire or now, the, for example, the uh, state of Spain, the kingdom of Spain of the United States of America. But what could represent this kind of uh, Bitcoin or any other electronic currencies in opinion, it's something very interesting. It's an experiment. It's some doubt that you can use, the, for example, Bitcoin as a medium of exchange, you know? For me, to me, sure, it's not a real, a, a real money, but have any of the particularity or any of the characteristic of money, for example, 
you can use as a medium of exchange. And why is so important that? In my opinion, and, uh, I, remember, I, I remember now that uh, I spoke about that in the at conference, during the 90s and the end of the 90s, I think it was, two philosophers of the Scandinavian countries wrote a book called Netocracy. The hypothesis of those people was that in the top of the capitalism pyramid, you are in the top of the power, on the top of this power of system, we have during the 20th century bankers. Yuan is the most important role in a capitalist society, banks. But now we are changing this power for what we call companies of information. And in my opinion, this kind of creation is an, is an experiment of the people who are running this kind of new important companies that, as I told you, I think they are in the top of the system in order to see how they come to have, or they can have another kind of role in a society. And this kind of experiment is quite interesting to understand that it's possible that we are creating a new social class that those Scandinavian philosophers call netocracy, and can probably, it's possible they are doing a transformation of the rules of what we call capitalism. Look at what you see, for example, the last American elections and the, the role played for a company called Cambridge Analytics. Cambridge Analytica, go ahead. Ah, yes, exactly, Cambridge Analytica. So what I think we can see is how this new capitalism that we can call the surveillance capitalism, that not creating any kind of productivity, are in the top of the system because they can control the new relationship of people. You know that we have any certain kind of new relationship of people between networks, you know, between internet, uh, WhatsApp, uh, uh, Facebook, uh, Google, whatever. And probably in the last resort that uh, for the moment capital, capitalism society keep is the power of money. It's the money of an instrument of this system. Don't forget that the capitalist is the name of something that was defined for Marx after the power of the capital, you know? Is it possible to think that this new netocracy, it is as, that's real that they exist? They are using this experiment to see how kind of role they can have in this kind of relationship that money creates. That is my opinion. At least I think we have to think about this uh, issue seriously. For me, I am scared because not only do they have, like, if, if they get to control money, but then they also know every movie I went to, um, they know who my friends are, what my niece is called, when my niece's birthday is. It seems like we're headed towards uh, more power being concentrated in fewer hands. Is that what you see? And how do we stop that? I absolutely agree with that. In fact, I think we are going to see in a few years probably a battle for the control of money between bankers and these kind of new companies. It's interesting to see the role that authority, the authorities can, can play in this kind of new game, you know. But in effect, it's that. Imagine that you have the power to know, to have the knowledge about uh, what kind of relationship the people have, friends, consumer habits, how do you visit a, a city or another. Each of these things that uh, when you are, for example, using uh, 
uh, Google, you know, because uh, they invite you to, to buy something or whatever. And you discover one day that uh, I'm actually know that you are going to travel tomorrow to New York, for example, because they remind you that uh, you have a flight and I got stuck all the money. So imagine if those people have uh, to the power of money. I think this, the kind of uh, history that I'm going to see, I think it's the kind of, uh, of problem you are going to, I'm going to face in next years. For that, it's quite important to understand the money as a creation of a state. We have to remind people or to, or to learn people or to teach people that money is natural. And money has to be subordinated of the constitution. Because if no, we are going to have so many power of, of just a, a few hands. The, the hands of that we call netocracy as uh, in the last uh, century, we did the same, but with bankers. It's necessary that the people take the control of money as a constitutional relationship, because any social relationship has to be under, under the power of a constitution. You know, liberty, equality, uh, human rights, etc., etc. Thanks for listening to Historically. We're non-metalists here and are simply asking for your credit card information instead of your gold. So go to historically.substack.com and smash that subscribe button. You can get newsletters and all of our back podcast episodes. Once again, go to historically.substack.com. So it seems like, at least in the American Constitution, there is not a clear uh, power delineated like there's no like they don't actually explain what the power like what the state has and what the monetary power is so how do constitutions around the world need to change in order to make this into a more fair system yeah first of all that's a very interesting question it's, it's quite important to understand one thing the american constitution starts with a simple couple of words we, the people, we, the people of the United States. That beginning is a declaration of who have the power in a society. It's the people of the United States who create the Constitution of the United States, who created the United States. It's not establishments, are not the bankers, it's not the, I don't know. It's the people of the United States who have to control the society of the United States because they create the Constitution, they create the United States of America. Let me say something that is important. It is true that uh, the American Constitution doesn't define very well what kind of issue is money, but uh, at the same time, explain very well that the money is under the control of the Congress. Why, if money is something neutral, has to be under the power of the Congress? It's quite interesting to see this peculiarity of the American Constitution because it's not in other constitutions, for example, in Europe. It's necessary to understand the discussion between the money of the British Empire and the money created by colonies in the United States was a very important event in order to fight for the independence of the, of the colonies, of the American colonies, and that finally create the United States. So in the mind, in the, in, in the brains of the Congress that created the Constitution, was the idea that money is something very, very important in a society and define the kind of sovereignty 
that the American Constitution declared. Without money, any society, without a state control over money, any society is really have a sovereignty. So, how transform this idea now in something what we can use, something practical or days? I think it's quite simple, at the same time, quite different, difficult. It's quite simple. We have to explain people what means money. You have to explain people that money is not neutral. We have to explain people that money is not a creation of bankers, it's a creation of the state. Banks use money because a central bank that is only a representation of an state allow that. And uh, if we do that, we are going to transform our societies. In constitutional terms, what we need is what we call um, uh, in a constitutional commitment. You know that in the American Constitution, we transform the same words. We don't, uh, you know that the American Constitution is one of the, is the oldest uh, constitution in the, in the world without just a few uh, words uh, transformed. You know, the, the different reforms are, are very, very, very small. But uh, the American Constitution is this kind of, uh, of instrument, legal instrument, that we call the constitutional commitment. I'm going to give you an example. We, the people of the United States, wasn't the same when the Constitution was created than now. The American people are doing that bigger. For example, during the time of the American Revolution, black, the, Afri the African um, people, the Afri African-American people, weren't citizens of the United States. No woman either, or Hispanic, for example. Now, every citizen of the United States, it's not important if, uh, what is your ethnic or religion or whatever, as part, is part of the United States of America, are part of the United States of America. Money represented the same kind of transformation, a new constitutional commitment that explains people that money is not neutral, it's under the control of the Congress, it has to be running in order to give power to people. I actually think this should be our next amendment project because right now the Supreme Court, for example, in America says Money is speech. And if you're rich, you can spend as much money as you want on elections. And we literally don't have a democracy because of that. And so bringing money back into the control of people, we can say it's not speech. You can't spend a billion dollars. Like elections are now just based on who raises more money. And you don't even have to look at the vote result because that's who's going to win. It's actually very interesting because people in America saw how money was transformed by the Supreme Court in front of their own eyes, and they're still not seeing money as a political tool. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting, for example, how an, uh, an a theory of the neoliberalism, but you can the Austrian theory of economics, was so, so interested in the constitutional definition of money. So, so interesting in this, in this effect. You study how neoliberalism study the independence of the autonomy of the central banks, how they define the money as something uh, similar to gold, even accuse the Supreme Court that a certain case of creation of the state because they transform the constitutional definition of money. These kind of theories alert us that uh, something very important is, is in the game. You say something very, you say something very interesting. Is this possible to explain money? Um, uh, how much money? That is a point, very, very important. That's the point. 
Imagine that I put in a in a bank, in a bank in a tax haven, three thousand millions of dollars. And imagine that I do the same in an industrialized society. The effect will be absolutely different. You have a lot of money in a tax havens, nothing changed. It's just a software in a bank account, but it's impossible to spend in a small island in the middle of the Caribbean Sea. How many cars you can buy? How many planes? How many hotels you can build? All this quantity of money doesn't change nothing. But now imagine that you are going to do the same industrial society. Money will change everything. Why? Because money is the less important thing in a society. In the way that money is just a creation, it's an instrument of the economy. What is, is important is the commodities that you have in an economy, the education of people to create new companies or new projects or new ventures. But money is just an instrument. So when politicians say us, or even bankers say us, we can't spend all this kind of money because you're going to have any kind of problem or whatever, or whatever because money is something of scarcity because we don't have money to spend. That's not true. That's not true. Money is a creation state. We can produce money as, you, as we want. And then the way we are going to spend is, is important, of course. have to be do it in a responsible way. But this idea that money is something as gold that uh, we have just uh, a few in a mine or, or a diamond or whatever, it's not true. It's because that in IT, in IT in, in the modern monetary theory that we studied during two weeks ago in Long Island, it's important because it represents another kind of theory about how money runs. And finally, the most important conclusion is that the most important in a society is the money. Money is just an instrument that we have to use in a responsible way under the control of the people, under the control of a constitution. But money is not something as um, commodities or whatever that is difficult to find in, in, a, in a territory. They are not trees that create money. They are not mine of money. Money is just an instrument to create a social relationship in a society. And so, for example, you hear on American news that let's, like a lot of Americans have so much college debt. So canceling that college debt like is not going to create some crazy inflation or anything like how do you tell people not to be scared of that yeah it's just very interesting for example in a country like germany they repeat and repeat thousands uh, of times that before the second world war the problem of the creation of money too many money was created that that produced I mean, a big inflation or with a big inflation the nazis and hitler rise to the power but in fact when we study that seriously that's not true Inflation, we are speak about big inflation, we call it inflation, not a small inflation. Inflation is something great when we have progress in our economy. For example, you stop delivery of, of commodities, or for example, when you have any other important event, for example, during the time of the uh, Soviet Re Revolution, I remember, read an article that explained because uh, trains doesn't work, so most of the product was in lost in, trans in transport, and that creates inflation, you know? This idea that inflation was created because uh, central bank um, politicians 
crazy and they produce and produce money. It's so stupid. It's not simply. It's not true. It's it's part of the this legend. It's part of this uh, narrative that try to put in the mind of the people that money is something just for Tunisian. Is something very particular. Something very similar that uh, theology means uh, me during the time of the Middle Age. Just for people introduced, for people who study these kind of things, don't speak about that, that's very complicated. But in fact, when you see, for example, the policy of the European Central Bank, even the Federal Reserve, with the quantitative easing, creating thousands and thousands of millions, and the European, the Eurozone is steep, still without without inflation, that is a problem because the, the European Central Bank wants to produce a little bit of inflation in the Eurozone, you can see how money itself is not, is not, not produce this kind of, 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 of results, of, of products, you know? Just, it's just a narrative, a narrative that has been repeat and repeat and repeat uh, for centuries. So basically, what created the inflation was basically bad policies by the Nazis, right? Mm-hmm. It's a narrative that's been repeated, and it's to scare people. And if we were to reform the European Union to, like, what is the best way so that it's not so uneven? I mean, like, in Spain, you guys are losing industry. Croatia is basically bleed losing people. Is it possible to even make the European Union more fair? Yes. Let me before tell you something that um, that's uh, your before question. The idea of uh, inflation is part of the narrative of the scarcity of the capital, the scarcity of money. Ah, I did not know that. Uh, you, know, you know, that is quite important to understand. A scarcity is a strategy of power in order to control money. Why is it important that uh, during the Middle Age, kings create money with gold? Because gold was uh, was a material, it's a material that um, you can only extract in a few mines in Europe. So if you control three or four mines in Europe, you control the, the production, the production of money. So scarcity is part of the strategy to control the production of the creation of money. So this idea of inflation is part of the narrative of the scarcity of money. And now. Uh, your second question, your last question about the European Union. It's quite important to understand that if we, if, if money, if we agree that money is a creation of a state, the problem of the European Union, and that um, explains very well why the euro is running as a gold standard, it's not gold standard, it's not gold, but uh, European Central Bank and the European institution try to explain the European society that is the same that we have to do that uh, with a big responsibility, uh, with the control of inflation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What we need is an state. The European Union doesn't have an state. And it's quite interesting if you study the history of the United States, because the United States were not an state during, the, during a lot of time. The colonies became a state, but the United States of America, the creation of, the, of a federation was a important and difficult issue you know, even with a civil war, as you know. I think we are in Europe in a Madison's moment. Madison, uh, one of the most important politicians in the history of the United States, understood perfectly how money was important for the Federation and how it wasn't only important to create a Federal Reserve, but a 
treasury too, an, an American treasury. What you need in Europe is to have a real European Central Bank, that means create a real last resort bank, and at the same time create the other, the other, the other side of the, of the circle, is to create a European treasury. And that is a big problem because it's a political problem. Because if that will be created, uh, happens with the United States, we are going to have a new state. No more independence of the different state members of the European Union, as Germany, others. And that represents another, another power strategy with new players and new consequences. The players that now are so, so happy with the current uh, euro will um, lose the privilege in order to create an European Union as a state. That's difficult to know. And then that represents another kind of uh, UN uh, problems, a society that during centuries had created different nations and now have to share debts and responsibilities with people that fought uh, against them during, other, during all those centuries. If you want, we can say that we are in a Madison's moment, if you have a, or in a crucial moment of the European Union construction. But in the Euro, still as now I am, I'm going to do the, it's necessary to be clear. Europe will be a disaster. In fact, in the financial crisis, European Central Bank broke the treaties of the euro in order to keep or to survive the euro as a currency. Really? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I did not know. Like, what did they break? The most important rules of the European Union reference of the, of, of, the, of the euro was broken for the European Central Bank policy during the time of um, Mr. Draghi. Uh, certainly a very interesting um, subject, very interesting governor of the European Central Bank. As you know, the other day, he's in the last term of, the, of his mandate. Uh, he was in the last, for, for last time in front of the European Parliament. And he declared that we are near of a new financial crisis and that uh, it won't be a bad idea to think about the MMT, the modern monetary theory, as a very interesting way to run money. But they only broke the constitution to bail out the, what do you call it, the leverage, like whatever the bankers piled up, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, in Europe, we don't have a constitution. We have a treaty called uh, different treaties that uh, have the role of a constitution. And in fact, the definition of Europe for the treaties was broke by the European Central Bank policies because uh, the government have to choose between uh, keep Euro life or following the rules. And finally, he decided first option and the rest of the European society look in, other, in another way. And is that why... There was a lot of, like, there seems to be in, in Western Europe, probably Eastern Europe too, but lots of austerity after the financial crisis. And there's no relief for the ordinary person. It's like still just austerity. And is that why there is that austerity? Absolutely. In fact, austerity doesn't exist. It's austerity for a part of, the, of, the, of a segment of the society. The scarcity of capital is for the current citizens. But uh, 
banks receive millions and millions of dollars, or millions and millions of uh, euros, for the European Central Bank in Europe or for the Federal Reserve in the uh, in USA. So this contradiction that uh, bankers receive money, billions of dollars or uh, euros, and um, the people receive austerity, explain how money is non-neutral and how money represents different things in different hands. Because the value of money is not a very simple issue. It's not. Money is an instrument quite complicated because it uh, creates an, an important social relationship. This contradiction that we, this contradiction that I explained before is, uh, is an example. That's how money gives power to a different social classes in a society. In my opinion, without the allowance of, the, of, a, of a constitution, a real constitutional system. So can we just talk a little bit about Brexit? Because the United Kingdom is not in the Eurozone. How did the Brexit crisis happen? Well, I have a personal opinion that uh, I can't explain to you, but I have a very, very personal opinion about what represents Brexit. Okay. Go away? Okay. You have to think that uh, Nixon, in my opinion, was once of the most important president of the United States uh, of America history. Not because, probably because he was an excellent president for a lot of things, but uh, the kind of uh, decision that he took changed the world forever. One of these uh, decisions was the, when he opened the relation with China, he opened China to the world and tried to, con- to, to concentrate uh, this effort against um, the Soviet Union. That transformed the world forever. China became a player in the international relationship. And after the Nixon shock, Varoufakis, um, the, the, the ancient Greece minister Varoufakis explained that very well. After the Nixon shock, when the United States lost the gold standard, USA changed the policy of the Federal Reserve. And in, um, in a state of recycling the surpluses, invest uh, the surpluses of the American economy in other economies, what they tried to do is just the opposite for first time in history, that it was recycling the deficit of the American society in order to keep, to be attractive, to attractive the capital of the, the rest of the surplus of the, of the, the rest of the world. That's transformed the economy of the world. But finally, during the 90s, the winner of this game was China. And the establishment of the United States and the establishment of the, of the United Kingdom know that, uh, knows that perfectly. Because the United States and the United Kingdom probably was, uh, are the countries with the um, most important financial role in the world. United States because uh, kicked the world currency, Great Britain, the United, United Kingdom because this, the London, the city of London, is still the most important international financial center in the world. Uh, I defined that in a recent book in, published in, in London as the idea of, uh, of the limit sovereignty so that we are in tax having that in reality, in fact, um, that represents nothing more than the United Kingdom. This idea that Gibraltar or Cayman Islands are independent countries are not true. In fact, they are legally, if you want truth, but in fact, they are, they are a big dependency of the, of the United Kingdom. And that is part of the uh, transformation of the old British Empire in an off, offshore British uh, financial empire. Well, well, it is discovered that China will uh, win this battle for the hegemony of the world, two different strategies was decided for the strategy. 
In the case of United States of America, they think that in that moment, in their opinion, that size is important, and they try to create in the mind of the American people a new, if you want a new state or a new kind of relationship that we can call that North American project. It's the time of the treaties between Canada and Mexico, of course, without Mexican, but with the petrol, for example, of Mexico. And this idea of the North American, that I think it was uh, quite important in the discussion in, in, of the American people, because transformed, for example, uh, some, um, some the, 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 the democracy or demography of some uh, state in America, for example, uh, California, etc. Oh. In the other side of the Atlantic, in the United Kingdom, the idea was so different. They returned the Hong Kong, that is part of this offshore British Empire, to, to the hands of China with a basic law of Hong Kong, who defined Hong Kong as an international financial center. Oh. An international financial center created for work for two different worlds. The Oriental world, you want China, and the Western country through the city of London. This idea of, of the British Empire, of the establishment in the United Kingdom, was to keep an important role in, the, in history, keeping this, the role of the city of London. They imagine a world where China will have an important role. They imagine a China with a world new, a new probably world currency, or at least a, an important international currency that will put in the international market, how? Through the city of London. As you know, we have different strategies. But that strategy had a problem that, in my opinion, was the resurrection of Russia as a important, as a superpower. That um, was something new during the last time of the, of the 20th century. The reaction of the American establishment was try to remove Mr. Putin of the presidency. Um, in order, um, and I think the, the idea of the sanctions, I don't discuss that they are legitimate or no, it's not, it's not, you know, it's, it's not the object of my dissertation, but um, they tried to move Putin because they know that uh, he represents a kind of control of the state that they are uh, so obsessed with steal the military power of, of Russia, keep the position of Russia as a superpower, etc. The financial sanction of the uh, United States of America and Europe against Russia wasn't wrong. It wasn't a disaster. In reality, uh, for the presidency of, uh, of Russia, keep the power is quite simple in a society of uh, Russia is, ah, sorry, is, sorry, or where the uh, Anansiam um, KGB agent, as Putin, control the relationship that uh, they are in the country. He fight uh, with uh, some rebels, uh, oligarch, but finally he keep the control of Russia. So the problem, and Nixon know that very, very well, is that USA come face China and Russia together. After Mr. Obama presidency, China and Russia have a joint venture. And in our opinion, what represents uh, Mr. Trump's presidency is a new kind of strategy. First of all, the tie between Trump and Russia try to remove, to divide this joint venture between this relationship, strong relationship between China and Russia, because half face Russia and, and China together is so, 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 so hard work. Secondly, why Russia will, uh, will take a decision as this one? Well, you have to have a soft Europe in order that, China, that Russia could have more influence in the east of Europe. So 
that is the new strategy of, of Trump in the world, right? To, to divide Russia and China and try to have an Europe that less strong, uh, strong that uh, could give more, you want, interest to Russia to, to be closer to the United States. And in the case of the, of, uh, of the British um, state establishment, the idea of the Brexit is uh, quite simple too. Is the idea of uh, Mr. Trump. Why not don't create a new Anglosphere? Why don't use the treaty between, um, you know, the Commonwealth, Canada, United Kingdom, New Zealand, Australia, and the special relationship with the uh, United States of America in order to combat the new race of China as a superpower? In fact, it's the sea of China what is the most important geopolitical uh, place now in the world. And you can see, as I mentioned, Hong Kong, I mentioned Mexico, etc. And you can see how I mentioned things that are so important now in international relationships. But the problem, what is? The problem is that the establishment for the first time in the last century, in probably since the Second World War in the United States of America and in Britain, are divided. And what part of the American establishment are not agree with the new, new plan of Mr. Uh, Trump? They prefer to have a strong Europe and a special relationship between Europe and the United States of America. And in the same way, in the UK, the different strategies uh, are different the view for different establishments. Some of them prefer to have an Europe and a role with China through Hong Kong. Others prefer to try to destroy, even if it's possible, to internal market, the single market, and create a new Anglosphere with the United States of America. You have to think that the principal problem of this problem is quite simple. Distance is not important for information, it's not important for financial things, for money, but it's important for goods. And that probably is the, the principal problem that the uh, UK will face if the Brexit is, uh, is a success. But that, that, that is my idea. It's a more a geopolitical idea that has to be, of course, with the new a new player in the in the financial system, China, you know? And uh, that actually makes so much sense to me. And it kind of explains the Hong Kong protests right now, too, because if Hong Kong was like the financial marketeer, it would explain why U.S., U.K. would want to try to control it again. I think Hong Kong is involved in what we can call a um, yellow revolution or uh, orange revolution, in a certain way, I think. I don't discuss about the morality of any plan. I just try to be an observer of the different plans, the strategies in geopolitics. I'm not sure what is happening in Hong Kong, but I am sure that it's involved the, the different uh, superpowers. As you see, when you see, for example, that the people go to an assembly, uh, the, the parliament of Hong Kong, they put their Union Jack, the flag of the United Kingdom, it's a symbol, it's, a, it's an important symbol. What represents that? For a part of the Hong Kong society, become a part of China financial system, and, and basically what we are discussing is the possibility to imprison people that uh, commit uh, some crimes in, in China that now are refugees in Hong Kong, represent a transformation of the kind of autonomy that uh, probably they wanted to conserve. But why China wants these kind of things? I'm not absolutely true, but it's possible too that China is moving its chairs in, in this table, you know. If the United Kingdom is uh, moving to the closer to the American, you know, the Anglosphere sphere against China, 
it is possible too that China prefer have a more important control of the exit colony of Hong Kong, you know? I think that probably we are going to see effects of this battle between establishments. But I'm not clear, I'm not absolutely clear what kind of role we have. But I'm going I'm to speak to you very clearly. I'm sure that in a couple of years or five years, I'm going to know, to know perfectly what is happening now in Hong Kong and, and what was the real, the real game. That that explains a lot. So before we go, do you ha- um? How would people find you? Like, are you on any social media? Well, in fact, uh, I am in Facebook, and I don't use too much. Um, uh, well, but basically, I have my Twitter. It's my main way to keep in contact with people, not to to keep in contact with the people. Twitter, because so I'm, not very friend with the, I'm not very friendly with the netocracy, what I told netocracy. So I use the social networks, but with, uh, with a certain control, you know. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, what is your Twitter account name? Yes, I'm going to tell you. Yes, I am born in Spanish. My name is, uh, is uh, Miguel Jos Arjon Juan. It's M-I-U-U-E-L. J-O-S-A-R-J-O-N-1. That's my Twitter. I can route you if this is possible. It will be easier to do it. I, I, yep, I'll put it on the description of the podcast. And thank you so much. And I really hope to meet you again next year at the MMT conference because your talk was very, like, one of the best ones I went to. <laughs> For me, it's a pleasure to speak with you and with your audience. And, uh, it will be great to be again in, in the next MIT conference. But because I think that it's important that American people know that, the world people know that, it's a historical event because we can discuss in an honest way what means money and understand much more how the world is, is running, how the world is, is running by politicians, economists, uh, establishment, etc., etc. A very, very historical days, I think, we spent in, in Long Island. And I think next year it will be probably in Washington. Thank you so much. Muchas gracias. Um, hasta luego. Hasta luego, gracias. Music for this show is done by Rectech. You can find him on SoundCloud and on Spotify. W-R-E-C-K-T-E-C-H. And thank you for listening to our show.